I went to preach at New Covenant Church in Valdosta, Georgia one time, and I'd just come back from Haiti, and I had videos, and my sermon was called Say Yes, Your Victory is Behind Your Yes, and it was videos and of people in Haiti, just healings, it was the coolest thing. The whole sermon was around videos, and lightning struck the church that morning. They had nothing. But it was, you know what, I heard everybody say, man, that was the best sermon you've ever, maybe because it was like five minutes long by the time. <laughs> Didn't have videos, so I, say yes, good night, see ya. I want to have my family come up for just a minute, I want to, and we have, if you could just pull up and have my website uh, up there, I just want to introduce my family to you. Last time I was here, I've been here a few different times, it's been a little over two years ago since we've been here, but um, they didn't get to come with me, so I wanted to show you guys that. There's more to it than me. This is my, my wife, Tiffany. You want to say? Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having us. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves, and I'm just going to see how this goes. <laughs> I'm Isaiah Cummins. I'm Samuel Aaron Cummins. My name is Rebecca Cummins. I'm glad to be here. My name is Rachel Michelle. I'm glad to be here too. Okay, hang on. Rachel, Rachel, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. A doctor? Rebecca, how about you? I want to, I want to work at Wendy's. Why? Why Wendy's? Because my mom worked there. <laughs> Did you? That that wasn't in your resume before we got. Why else? Why why? Because they have good food. That's a good reason. Okay. And why do you want to be a doctor? Because it's cool. It is cool. Will you eat at Wendy's? All right, all right. How about you? What do you want to be when you grow up? An archaeologist. Spell it. I'm just kidding. You, is it because you watched Indiana Jones? Does that have anything to do with it? No. Okay. How about you? What do you want to be when you grow up? No clue. No clue. Okay, that's okay. That's safe. I don't know yet either. Okay, these guys are going to go to Children's Church. I don't know if there's somebody here that can lead them that way, but there you go. Follow that gentleman right there. See you all later. Bye. Amen. So that is our crew. Uh, just to tell you, back, uh, my wife and I got married in 2000, and I think it was in 2001, 2002, doctors told us we would never be able to have children. <laughs> I told somebody one time, I said, I blew out my, I blew out, you know, the, the, they're twins, the girls are twins, and, and I was, I'm sorry if this is off color, but when I, was, when I was 18 years, if you got to apologize before you say something, keep your mouth shut. Hey, no offense, but <laughs> when I was 18 years old and I blew out my candles on my birthday cake and they said, what would you wish for? And I didn't tell them. It came true. I wished that twins would hang all over me all the time. And anyway, it's okay. It's kind of a joke. I didn't really wish that. <laughs> So I want to tell you a little bit about who we are, 
what we do, uh, what's going on in our lives. I worked at New Covenant Church Valdosta for almost 10 years. I worked in youth ministry for over 14 years uh, with teenagers, young adults, and missions. Um, Loved it. Absolutely loved it. About four and a half years ago, God started speaking. I was putting together an elevation conference. Sorry about that. An elevation conference, which is a conference that our that our teenagers would go to up in Gatlinburg. I kind of put it together and would get up there and preach for three nights on missions, and they'd get to ski one day. They all went there to ski, but they came back home with hearts as missionaries. One of the kids that, I mean, they're all doing something. One's right here. He's doing youth ministry, um, and, and they're all over the place, the kids that were part of that. One of them is in Jacksonville, Florida, is a full-time youth pastor now, and when when my son Isaiah goes to a youth group the youth group that he gets to go to is led by a guy who got his fire lit at an elevation conference that I put how about that that was so weird the kid looks at me and goes hey aren't you the guy that used to do the elevation conference I said yeah you guys came he goes man at the elevation conference is where I got my fire lit and I left there I went into ministry school and now he's working at New Life Church in Jacksonville, a big church, and God's doing mighty things. His name's Daniel. So anyway, just a lot of fruit. Well, four and a half years ago, I was putting that together, and God put a heart, put in me a heart to plant a church in Jacksonville, Florida. God said, I'm sending you here to plant a church, and it's going to be unlike anything that's here. So I said, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to leave Valdosta, Georgia. So I start praying into it. I'm talking to to our founding pastor, L.A. Joyner. I'm meeting with him once a month. God, one thing leads to another. Two years ago, the last time I was here, two years ago, we were raising up missionary support because we were leaving our salary behind, our insurance behind, our hometown of Valdosta. We actually have a house in Hayara. We were leaving all that behind to go move to Miami, Florida and help a man plant a church at Florida International University. So we were raising up the support. We were able to raise up the support for our family to live there. Uh, In four months, we were able to raise up all the support through churches and friends and family. We went there, and you know what happened while we were there is we absolutely fell in love with making disciples. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. Before that, for nine or ten years, I had worked at New Covenant Church. I was discipling people here and there, but it was mainly people in the church. I wasn't out there grabbing people that weren't connected with Jesus or that had disconnected with Jesus or his church. And, well, I was, a, I was an office pastor. I was doing some cool things. We were doing missions, but I wasn't making. Say making. I wasn't making disciples. I wasn't making disciples. They would come around, they would get in my back pocket, and I would realize they'd hang out with me a lot. And so we, we'd hang out. We'd go to a movie. We'd do, do some Bible study. We would go on trips together. And, okay, those were happening. Well, in Miami, we had no office. It was starting a church from scratch, and the church was going to meet on the college campus. 55,000 students, every nation represented at one school. It's an international university. And so what we did is we, we got clipboards and surveys and we'd walk around the campus doing these surveys 
And these surveys would say, we made the surveys up ourselves. You know, it wasn't like some, it was just, you know, what do you consider success? Oh, okay, by question number five, do you believe in God? Or do you believe that God has a Bible that if if the countries lived by it, the world would be a better place? It was just questions to start figuring out how do they see God? How do they see themselves? And how do they see themselves through God's eyes? And by the end of it, you're able to go, can I just tell you God doesn't feel that way about you? Can I just tell you God's not angry at you? Hey, can we get together for a sandwich next week and let's just... And Sometimes I didn't even make it past question number one, what's your hometown? Because they'd say it and it would trigger something. Hey, I know somebody, I went there one time and next thing you know we became friends. Well, what my wife and I started doing, and she was right out there with me, is we started discipling. And I'm talking about sitting in a subway for 30 minutes in between classes with students. We fell in love with it. We did that for one year. We had committed one year. After one year of being there, we just felt like the Lord's asking. He wants us to stay, do another whole school year. So we signed up again, and we stayed there. We kept the support coming. And we went, and we we. We kept going for it. Now, all the while, in the back of my heart, God had told me to plant a church in Jacksonville. Okay, God, but you've got me in Miami. I mean, you got to, I'm, I'm a southern boy, proud of it. Not overly proud, <laughs> you know, that's, that'll get you in trouble. But I'm proud. I love southern life. I love the woods, you know. I love squirrels. I love shooting them. Well, I can't shoot them anymore. We have a little baby rescue squirrel in my house right now. The hurricane that came through left. And no kidding, this thing will eat out of our hands. So I'm like, well, get rid of the 22. But I love things like that. So moving from, I call it, God took me from Mayberry to Miami. Now, Southern life, you know, it's a Southern culture. Y'all know what I mean? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Let me get that door for you. Let's fight in the parking lot. <laughs> Miami, has, Miami has no culture. Now, you would think Miami, ooh, it doesn't. Miami is a melting pot of a lot of, of lawless cultures. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of people there that are running from a bad country, and they get there wanting a better life, but yet what's ingrained in them is a lot of lawlessness. And, and, um, but we flourished there we grew there in those two years like never before and when I signed up and said yes Lord I'll do a second year two months later the Lord said okay now you're ready for Jacksonville I all I all I can say is that I believe that what the Lord was doing is seeing if I would be willing to put my dream aside for his for his dream and when I said yes to the second year, and when I say yes, I don't just mean, hey, we're going to stay another year. I'm talking about finding, making sure renters stay in our house in Hayhira, making sure the supporters, because I ask everybody, just commit one year. Commit one year, and then I'll either keep going or I'll set you free, and I'm running back to Mayberry. And, but when I did it, and we had to re-rent our house there, we had to get our kids back in school there because uh, it was the end of the summer. So it was, there was a lot to it. Two months later, the Lord says, Start making the preparations from Jack, for Jacksonville. I talked to my apostolic covering, Pastor L.A. Joyner. I talked to my pastor down in Miami that, was, uh, that is still with the church down there, Franco Gennaro, doing a great work. And uh, everybody, it was yes and amen. 
to everybody that was there. And God just blessed it. So we started, we started our own uh, nonprofit first, which is Go Life Missions, and then we became a 501c3, Go Life Missions, and we're planting Go Life Church in Jacksonville. And it, it's really easy, and I've got this up there just because we just got it going a few weeks ago, and I, I thought it was really cool that this guy walks and walks, and he never, have you been paying attention? He never makes it to that tree, ever. I've watched it for hours. I, I, can't, I can't find the spot where it glitches and starts over, but he never makes it. You ever felt like that? Anyway, you can turn the website off, but if you want to visit it sometime, it tells a lot more about us. It's golifemissions.net, golifemissions.net, and it's based off of the Great Commission, which is what God put on my heart to preach this morning, because Pastor Lawrence, by the way, let me just say this, your church is, is one of our very faithful supporters in what we're doing. This church, New Covenant Church, is helping support us because we're having to still live in Jacksonville. We're still having to live off of missionary support because we can't go there and get a 40-hour, 50-hour job and make disciples on the UNF campus at the same time or get a church going. You, you understand how that would be a quagmire, kind of hard to do. So your church is part of our support team. But I would love for you to check out our website, see there's a lot more about us on there. There's ways that you can be involved. Out in the foyer, we have a table set up. It's not a fundraising thing, but there are papers there that show how you could be involved. By, by January, February 2017, we're hoping to have internships up and going where people can come and intern and help us plant a church. There may be people in here right now that in the next uh, day, week, month, that God says to you, hey, you should move to Jacksonville and be part of a church plant. Why not? I've got lots, there's lots of statistics on Jacksonville, why start a church in Jacksonville. I could talk all day about what God is doing, but that's not what God's got me here for. Amen? But I do want you to check out the table, sign up for our newsletter, all that kind of, all that kind of good stuff. I was praying and saying, Lord, Lord, what do you want, what do you want New Covenant Tifton to hear about. And so I asked Pastor Lawrence, well, what? he just called me Thursday. Hey, would you come up? I'm in Jacksonville. I'm going to a meeting. Hey, what you doing Sunday? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's four days away, Lawrence. And he said, you want to come up and preach for me? I said, let me get with my administrative assistant, my wife. She was driving home from Orlando. Hey, honey, we got any plans on Thursday, Sunday? So anyway, so here we are. We, we drove up. Our family's in Valdosta, so we drove up yesterday and uh, kind of hung out, you know, so it's a blessing, blessing, blessing to be here, but I asked Lawrence, I said, what have y'all been talking about? He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, and I would be, I would fail you, myself, and God if I didn't get up here this morning and talk about making disciples. Do y'all understand that Jesus' final words to the church are go and make what? disciples. I want to share some things with you. You ready? My wife had to go to the car. About a year ago, this thing happened. I thought, I, I thought, man, I've been drinking too much coffee. My eyes are crossing. What's going on? So I go to my eye doctor in Valdosta. I got an eye doctor there, and he, he never charges us anything. The eye place, they support missionaries. It's crazy. If you ever look for an eye doctor, send me an email so you go to this guy. So he, uh, I go to him, I'm like, man, my eyes are jacked up. I think you need to, 
I got my contacts in and things look clear, but then when I look at my phone or my Bible, it's like things aren't working. He starts laughing. He said, well, let me check your eyes, Zach. So he checks and he goes, nope, everything's the same. And then he says, try this. Yeah, that's what he said. How old are you? I said at the time, 43. He goes, I'm surprised you didn't come see me two years ago. He said, when you get about 40, and, he, and so he said, try these, just a one on them, you know, like $3 at Walmart. And I was like, oh, I don't have to get a new Bible, baby. And I can preach and look like one of the real serious preachers, you know what I mean? The Word of God. <laughs> I love my job. I absolutely love my job. I love meeting people and saying, man, do you have anybody mentoring you? Do you have anybody helping you walk through the word, which is discipleship? No, man, I would love that. Happened just the other day, didn't it? A guy named Blake. And and now it's turning into, now I'm going to walk with, help make him a follower of Jesus. I love my job. Anybody in here can't stay in your job? It's okay. I did drywall for six years and I drove a log truck for six years. I I can, I can relate to, I'm not really in love with my job. I flipped a log truck. That thing flipped twice. I stepped out of there screaming. <laughs> I didn't get hurt, praise God, but man, it took me about two weeks to get back, climb back in one. I, don't, I think if I could do any other job, though, besides this, let's say take ministry out of it. I think I'd like to be a weatherman. No, no, she can have Wendy's. I'll just stop by and get a Frosty. I mean, I, I don't want to be a weatherman like the person that stands up there clicking the button and pointing. And I want to be the but-it-feels-like guy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, it's 98 degrees, but feels like 101. I want to be the guy that walks outside and goes, man, it feels like 101 degrees out here today. And go back inside and call the weather guy and goes, feels like 101 to me. He goes... You're off, Zach. It's 98. Oh, it's okay. Pay me. The feels, does anybody understand that? It's 98, but feels like 101. Why don't you just say it's 98 and you're going to burn today? Anyway. All right, so I love my job. If you've got your Bible or your phone, we don't have the scripture up here, just, just flip over to the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. And then when you get there, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 4 for you. And while you're turning to Matthew 28, let me pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Daddy. We thank you, God. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that it didn't stop at the end of the Old Testament. Lord, we thank you that it didn't stop with the wrath of God, with your anger, with our, with our separation from you, God. We thank you for the New Testament. We thank you for the new covenant, the new promise, Lord. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son who was and is and is to come. We thank you for sending him to walk on this earth, to deal with flesh, to go through temptations, to deal with people, to deal with family. He dealt with the cross. He dealt with the grave. He dealt with hell. He dealt with resurrection. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you. We thank you that we are on the other side of the cross. And now we have a mandate. 
we are the sent ones, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you've given, you've put a word in my heart. And Lord, we thank you that we're going to be doers of your word and not hearers only. I don't preach long. I just have real long introductions. Maybe. Depends on how hungry you guys look out there. I'm just kidding. Well, before we read Matthew 28, 19, and 20, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to read for you. You don't turn there, but, but Matthew chapter 4. So way back in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had just gotten tempted by Satan. Y'all remember that? He just walks through the temptation of Satan in, in Matthew chapter 4. And immediately... Verse 18 says, And Jesus, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and they're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's what fishermen do. Verse 19, Then he, Jesus, said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want to tell you something. To be a follower of Christ is to be a fisher of men. Period. Period. How many of you have ever thought, well I'm, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I don't. Well, you may not have the office of evangelist, just like I'm not a painter. But if something in my house needs touched up, I paint it. Paul said to Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. You don't have to hold the office where you, that's all you ever think about it, but do it. If it gets in front of your face and you realize somebody's disconnected from God, paint it. You know, I'm not a painter, but I paint. I'm, I, I'm not a mechanic, but I'll put oil in my car. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, it needs oil right now on my way driving up here. Check your oil. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, honey. So Jesus says, follow me and I will make you something. In other words, if I, was, if, 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 if I were a painter... Or if I were a professional baseball player and I said, hey, Cam, come with me, man. I'm going to make you something. You're expecting to become a baseball player. And that's what's going to get on you. Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to make you fisher of men. In other words, I'm going to make you what I am and what I need in this world right now. So that's what Jesus says when he first calls them out of the boat. And then we know great things happen, chapter 5, chapter 6, right on through. And then we get Jesus is, Jesus is crucified on the cross. Now, what did he do with these guys all that time? Man, they saw him, they saw him rebuke. They saw him heal. They saw him hold children. They saw him pray. They saw him walk on water. They saw, they saw him do all kind of stuff. All of that was because he was making them something, okay? Now he goes to the cross, and they see it. Peter even, even failed, you know? Peter denied him three times, and then Jesus forgave him three times. And, and, and Jesus, in the forgiving, goes back to it again, says, Do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Well, tend my sheep. See, Jesus so much cares about the people of this world. So all of these happen. Then you get to Matthew 28. Jesus had died. Jesus is resurrected. Have y'all, raise your hand if you've seen the movie that's out right now. Well, it's in the red box called Risen. Anybody seen Risen? Powerful movie 
about the Roman soldier that was in charge of tracking down the disciples because the disciples stole the body out of the tomb. And so this guy's job, I'm going to track him down, I'm going to hang him. I saw his dead body. He was dead. There is no way that he resurrected. I'm going to find them. I'm going to get the truth. I'm going to torture them till they tell the truth. So the disciples are on the run. If you haven't seen this movie, watch it. It's, it's, it's on a scale. It's not a kid-friendly movie, put it that way. I took my 11-year-old son. He, after that movie, he was like, oh, I need ice cream, you know. <laughs> so, so now we're going to get in Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read the Great Commission. Okay, it starts with therefore, okay? Now Jesus says in Matthew 4, follow me and I will make you something. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, are you ready? I like saying are you ready because I'm not really ready, I'm turning the page. All right, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I'm reading from the uh, New King James, just so you'll know. Now, now that starts with therefore, right? And I know you've kind of heard the joke, if you ever read your Bible and it says the word therefore, you look back and go, what's that therefore? Like, what's the word therefore there? What's it therefore? So let's back up. I'm just going to back up to verse... 18. So we started with 19. I'm going to back up to 18. It's going to be really difficult to track with me. So why did he say, go therefore? Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Well, why did he walk up and the first thing he say is, All authority has been given. Now, I'm going to back up. I'm, I'm doing some, some kind of cool backwards preaching, but I want to show you there's something really good about context. Why did Jesus say, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth? Do you remember, do you remember Jesus being, being uh, tempted by Satan? Do you know one of the temptations was authority? That Satan said, hey, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you the authority over all this. And Jesus said, uh-uh, it is written. See, I want to tell you something. God has so many things for you, but Satan's trick is to just give it to you out of timing. I mean, man, if I could get every teenager or single person in the world to understand that, God has got relationships and sex and he's got all these great things and, and money and all these great things. The devil's going to try bringing it in out of timing. Anything out of timing. If I would have moved to Jacksonville, Florida, four years ago when God first put a heart for Jacksonville, if I would have said, pack it up, we're going, and we're moved to Beverly Hills. If, if, if I would have done that then and not taken the route through the desert of Miami and learned a heart for discipling people one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what it's all about, I wouldn't have known what the... See, our church, Go Life Church, the DNA of that church is going to be built on one-on-one -on -one discipleship. So every time somebody comes, they're going to be getting in one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and they're going to want a one-on-one discipleship because they're going to realize that's the core of who they are. Why? Because we are Go Life Church, and we here's the tagline, we exist to make followers of Christ out of all people, all places, all the time. Notice I didn't use the word disciple there because a lot of people have no idea what that is. But a follower... I'm a follower of Jesus. 
So Satan tempts Jesus and says, I'll give you authority over the earth. Satan had authority over the earth. Do you understand that? How many of you, come on, this, is, this might step on some toes. I've said this myself. Well, the reason bad things are happening is because the authority of this earth was given over into Satan. But Jesus is going to come back one day and, right? Well, that's right, sort of, except when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, that authority transferred back to Jesus. And that authority that he had transfers into you. So you have authority over serpents and sickness and disease. Instead of just shrinking back and going, oh, well, this is normal that they got in a wreck and died because Satan has authority over this earth. No, 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 do not take that. Because if you believe that, then this scripture where Jesus says all authority, he walks up to his disciples and he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. And by the way, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not sending you to out, out there to do a job and you don't know how to do it or you don't have the authority. I'm with you. So Satan tries giving that to Jesus early. Jesus knew, you know, think about it, talking about timing, everything Satan tempted Jesus with was something he was going to get later anyway. Hey, hey, turn this rock into bread. Jesus is like, man, I'm going to eat. I'm, gonna, I'm fasting. This is what we do. You know, Satan's trying to Get him to have something out of timing. And getting things out of timing is just not trusting God. That's all it is. It's going, I don't know if God's going to come through for me on this, on this situation, so I'm going to do it like this. I don't know if my marriage is going to get better, so I'm going to do it over here with this one. I don't, it's out of timing. That's Satan's little trick. He's a serpent. He's sneaky. He sneaks in. Right? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Timing. I, I know for a fact that there's people in this room right now that you've got a situation and it's all about timing. It is really hard to sit back and just trust God. I'm not saying you sit home and you don't do anything and bread shows up. I mean, you got to get out and grind. You got to get out and do something. But your trust and your hope is in the Lord. You know, it's, 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 it's not always right in the timing you want. Uh, you just, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God, he will delight as you walk in your way. That's what I preached here two years ago right before I moved to Miami. Psalm 37, 23, that our steps are ordered by God. We got to trust him. When I say step, I don't mean journey. I mean step, the next step. That step was ordered. That step was ordered. Amen. So Jesus walks up to his guys and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's what he said right there in verse 18. Now I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm actually going to back up to verse 9. 28, Matthew 28, verse 9. Right before the Great Commission. Now listen, let me give you the background. Mary and the, uh, both Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they show up at the tomb there's a great thunder. The stone rolls away and there's an angel sitting on the stone. I just think that's the coolest angel ever. Have you ever pictured that? I mean, the stone's rolled away and he's just sitting there. He's not here. Pedro's not home, man. Anyway, he is not here. 
And he says, so then Jesus walks up and appears to them and says, I want you to go tell, yeah, it's me, hey, I want you to go tell the disciples, tell them to meet me at a mountain in Galilee. I'm coming. I'm coming. I got some things to do first, but I'll I'll meet you guys there. So the women go, verse 9 picks up, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and they will see me. Now, while they were going, the two Marys, Behold, some of the guard came into the city and they reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. In other words, great earthquake, the stones away, Jesus sitting there. When they assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, now they just paid the soldiers, they bribed them. And they said this, tell them that his disciples came in the night and stole him away while, the, while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. In other words, you're not going to die for lying. We got your back. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. Watch this. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews to this day. And that's the truth. If you talk to a Jewish person that, to this day and you say, do you know that Jesus resurrected out of the grave and his body was not in the tomb anymore? It was the, it's the Messiah. They will say, yeah, his, his disciples took the body. We know the story. Well, here it is in our, our Bible that says that story, lies still being told. Isn't that funny? And that's what the movie Risen is about. And that's why it's so neat to be sharing this this morning. And watch this. They're still telling it to this day. Verse 16, now that's what we just heard, that that lies being told. Verse 16, then the eleven disciples, they went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed. They went to where Jesus said, hey, this is our club, this is where we're meeting. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Wait a second, this isn't a hundred other people that never was with Jesus. This is the eleven. This is the, the twelve disciples Minus, okay, this is them besides Judas. This is the the 11. They've been with Jesus for a long time. They've seen Jesus do some stuff. Jesus says, come with me and I'm going to make you something. They watch Jesus. They laugh with Jesus. They saw Peter deny him. They saw Jesus restore him. They saw the miracles. And they even are looking at a resurrected Jesus. And he's walking up and they start worshiping. And some doubt it. Now, I'm, I'm, I want to make a point right here. We get so, not politically correct, we get so religiously correct. We get so RC that if there's ever any doubt in us, we're like, oh, why am I doubting? Oh, forgive me, God. What I must have sin in my life. Or if somebody else is doubting, I don't know if God's going to come through. I don't know if Jesus is that. And we're like, What? (laughs) We stab them with the sword, the word of God. These disciples were doubting. This isn't when they first met him. They're looking, it's Jesus. They're finding out they're being hunted by the Jews. They're freaked out. And Jesus is walking up to them and they're worshiping. Oh, there's the Messiah. I don't know if this is going to work or not. You know what I mean? Jesus, immediate, do you remember when they doubted Jesus on the water? 
And they said, Lord, wake up. You're sleeping too good in this boat. There's a storm. Surely we're going to die. And he goes, man, where's your faith? He looks at Peter one time and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Jesus was getting, he get mad. Now, how's Jesus going to respond to him walking up? And they're worshiping, but they're doubting. His immediate response was all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. His immediate response was not a rebuke of their of some of their doubt. His immediate response, his immediate Jesus is the resurrected son of the living God that has all authority, all power, all dominion and has invested his holy spirit in you. And now you have I like to call ABC, authority, boldness and confidence in Christ Jesus because not because of you, but because of who he is, what he did and the holy spirit lives there. Amen. That should get you excited because this isn't just church. This is an investment today. A seed's being planted today that the Holy Spirit's going to water and it's going to change your life forever today, right here in this crowd, right now. The authority of the believer because of what Jesus did. So right now in your life today as a Christian, if you have some doubt, it's okay. Man, you won't hear me and people preach that. But it's right there. It's okay because Jesus' response is going, it's okay. All authority. All authority. It's okay. Hey, guys, look at me. It's not about defeating the devil. Uh Uh-oh. He's already defeated. It's not about defeating the devil. It's about winning the lost. In September of 1996, someone knocked on my door. I was 24 years old, had been doing drugs all night, had been to jail seven times. Someone knocks on my door, my cousin actually, knocks on my door and says, hey, something was different about her. I thought she was there to buy some, buy some weed or something. I'm just, being, I'm just being frank with you. Just telling you. September 1996. And she shows up, two of them, two, my two cousins. They were black sheeps of the family just like I was. And they show up to my little single-wide trailer in Statenville, Georgia, knocks on my door, and I'm like, what's up? I answer the door, no shirt on, smoking a cigarette. And they said, man, can we come in for a minute? They said, yeah, what's going on? I'm, I said, I don't have anything, but what do you, what's up? They said, man, we, we went to church this morning and got born again, and right away the Lord, we looked at each other and said, Zach. That's what happened, true story. And so they said, we want to pick you up and see if you want to go with us. I've been struggling with crack cocaine. I've been struggling with sexual addictions and uh, had already had a failed marriage. I was failing my family. Nobody trusted anything I said. I was just another liar. And I said, no, I'm not going to church. What they didn't know, true story, two hours before they came, I hit my knees and said, God, if you're even real, show me something. I'm not even kidding and they knock on my door, and as they, I said, nah. They said, well, if you change your mind, let me know. We'll come pick you up because we know you got my license. I'd lost my license to a DUI for six months. Horrible time. I'm like, <laughs> they walk across the yard to where my sister lived because, you know, you know how it is. You, you all live in one pack. So I watch them. I'm looking out the blinds at them walking away, and I'm going, what? I ain't going to church. That's churchy. But yet, I realized I was just asking God, show me something. So I mustered up the strength. I walked over. I was, 
so you'll seriously come pick me up. I was 24. I was so cool. You know what I mean? And I went, they come and pick me up. They had all their kids with them. And these girls had some kids. Y'all got the cousins, what I'm talking about, like four or five kids with four or five different daddies. Yeah, baby kids. And these kids were all in the back seat with me. None of them had their face wiped. I mean, we're going to church. Trisha and Cindy sitting up front looking like, man, they was either going to a nice club or they going to a church. Something was different, but the kids, they didn't know. They just, I mean, and we were right. It was a hoopty. Y'all remember that? Tinted back with a window with a bubble in the middle. Slammed on brake and out flew Skittles. I'm not joking about this. They did. One of the kids at one point, it got my attention because this kid goes, there it is. But it was more like, there it is, right? Little, little kid with snot bubbles. And he found a half-eaten cheeseburger left over from church that morning. And it, I, I just wish I could rewind time and watch them earlier in the day. And the kid's going, who took my cheeseburger? But then later on the way to church, Uncle Zach's back there with him like, there it is. And he's like, you want some? I'm like, no, no, homie, I'm good. Man, he, he preached that night. This man preached that night. He gave an altar call. There had to be 200-something people there. But at some point, it was everything he said, I thought he was talking to me. I mean, I, I wanted to reach over and just punch my cousin Trish because I could imagine she called this little red-headed preacher and said, my cousin's coming, he's drugs, he's women, he's stupid. And so, because everything he said, it almost seemed like he was preaching and going, and you know it's time. Yeah, and I'm back there going, man, girl, I'm going to kill you when we leave here. You ain't even going to make it back to Statenville, Georgia. But when he gave an altar call, and he said, raise your hand if you want to, if you're tired of being on the back end. I, my hand went up. I didn't want it to. Everything in my flesh was going, nope, nope, nope. What'd you do? But then he did the thing. Oh, yeah, I see that hand. And I'm like, dang it. And I see that hand, and I see it. So I felt better. Now stand up. I'm like, I ain't standing up. I ain't standing up. What? Come to the altar. I ran. And I didn't go to the altar. He was like this tall. He, he, was, he was like a hobbit. Have you ever seen? He was red-headed, and he, and he had blood pressure issues. So when he was preaching, he was purple. I ran straight to him. I mean, it's like he was moving around, calling people to the altar, and I'm running to him. like, And I get right to him, and I just stop. And I've never, ever, my whole life, I've never been a violent person. And I wasn't violent now, so don't think I'm saying that. But I get right to him because something was about to break. Yes. And he, this man looks at me, and he says, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know, but I'm ready. I'm not kidding. And he said, and he told me right then, he said, today God is, God is requiring of you everything. Are you willing to give everything? I said, I'm willing to give everything because I don't have anything. <laughs> That's easy. And he says, you're going to be responsible for thousands of people coming into the kingdom. Amen. True story. True story. God calls us out of something to make us into something. You know? And he says, all authority, all authority. I have all authority. It's so great that he, 
It's so wonderful that Jesus didn't say, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and I'm about to go make disciples. Come on. He says, I have all authority, now go. That's like me looking at my four children and saying, guys, I am a multi-billionaire now. Do whatever you want to do, and I'm with you. You know what I mean? All authority. All authority. Jesus is saying to us, He's saying to the church, now listen, 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 listen. Go and make disciples. Go and make more followers of me. Go and tell people about me. Now you may be sitting here, I'm, I'm winding down. You may be sitting here thinking, I don't know how to disciple anybody. And that is a, that's a problem in the church. Hey, look at me. I worked, at, I worked at, a, at a very successful, great church in Valdosta, Georgia for nine years, and we failed at making disciples. I'm telling you right now. And still, still failing. And I'm, tr- I'm helping work them through that. I'm doing everything. I, and they want to. The church wants to. The pastors, the elders, they want to. They want to. They understand, hey, the whole reason the church is here because of the Great Commission. But there's something the enemy has blinded us on the how-to. You know what I mean? It's like the painting thing again. You don't have to know how to be a painter. Just get a paintbrush and the color you want and put it on the wall. Then you can say, I painted it. A professional painter may come in and go, yeah, you kind of got a little bit on the ceiling, but you know what I mean? Just do it. We just do it. Just make disciples. And I'm telling you, I, I, I learned this by just getting boots on the ground and going. Now get something out to write with because I'm about to give you, um, how many? How many of y'all want? <laughs> I'm going to give you four practical ways to get this going. And if you can't write this down, have somebody else write it down. Talk to your pastor. Tell him to have me email these to you, whatever it takes. But four practical things to making disciples, okay? Now, I could say some things that would step on some people's toes. You don't, you don't, making disciples doesn't mean you walk somebody through the whole word. That's okay if they're, if they're that kind of learner. I'm not. If somebody sat down with me and they tried to walk me through the word from beginning to end and I had just gotten saved, I'm going to be like, dang, why'd he have so many wives? Why can't I have more wives? I'm, I, I don't know. I just got saved. Right? Listen how somebody discipled me. What he did is he came to me one day and he says, hey, you want to come over to my house, have hot dog? Every Friday night we have hot dog night with our kids. You want to come over? Yeah, man, Friday night's the night I'm most tempted to go to the club. True. It was true. I, I was sitting there going, man, I need something to do on Friday nights because, man, I want to go where the girls are, you know. That was just how it was at 24 years old for me. I had a drywall company. I was subcontract. I had a little money. And, and so, hey, so, hey, man, hot dogs with some little snotty-nosed kids is better than going to the club. I know that for a fact. I went to his house, and guess what? He didn't break out the Bible. He just started saying, man, we like you. You should come over here every time. You want to go with Then he took me up, up to the mountains to a cabin, and we did some drywall repair because I had a drywall thing. And up there, he just, he just rubbed on me, iron sharpening iron. I started picking up who he is. Now, see, you may meet somebody and disciple somebody that is a book learner, and they want it like that. And I'm not saying we don't use the Word of God. 
I'm saying you don't, don't make that your only model. It's different. I've got four kids, and all four of them have different learning personalities. You know what I mean? I can tell my children, and I do this all the time because I'm very systematic. So I'll say, okay, guys, it's 8 o'clock. Brush your teeth, put on your pajamas, and get in bed. One of them will brush his teeth and come back and start talking to me and want to hang out. And I'm going, you're still in your clothes. You didn't do what I said. But he's the type of person. So what I've learned to do is he comes back from brush teeth. I know he's coming. When he comes, I don't go, pajamas! Ah! I want to because I'm systematic. Get everything done and then I'll hug you. But he comes back and he's wanting to pal around because something happened when he was brushing his teeth. He got revelation. He got revelation about something in some cartoon, and he wants to talk. And so what I do is, oh, wow, really? That's, that's neat. Let's talk more about that. Get your pajamas real quick. Let's talk more about it. Eventually, they're all in the bed. But all some of them, like one of the girls, oh, Rebecca, she will go do, she will brush her brother's teeth. She'll be talking to her brother. He said pajamas too. Don't go talk to him. That's how she is. Am I, am I? So everybody's different. You know what I mean? Everybody's different. So four things you got to have. Number one, number one thing to make disciples is you need to have a heart for it. Develop the heart for it, realizing this is a real need. I would have fell out of the church in a second if somebody hadn't pulled me into their house for hot dog night. We just love on people. Become family with them. Adopt them. So number one is realizing there's an urgency of the hour, and this is a commandment. It's not the great suggestion. I know you've heard that. It's not, I love Matthew 28, 19, 20, the great suggestion. Every now and then I do it. It's the, it's, it's the great commission. It's a mission, co-mission. We are co-partnering in parenting our children. Co, we're attached at the hip. Amen? So number one, get a heart for it. N- number two, now you may be going, man, we got to pray. Man, don't pray for God to send you disciples when you don't have a plan. Number two is have a plan. Develop a plan. Develop a strategy. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with them? How are you going to disciple them? Number three, pray. Now you got yourself a plan. Your heart, you're burning for it. Ooh, I can't live anymore without making disciples. Man, I want to reproduce into people. You know, in the garden, God said, God said, go and, go and, go and make, you know. Go and tend this garden. Be fruitful and multiply. And then Jesus, later on in a garden, says, go. Go and do. See, that's what it's all about. It's, about. it's about reproducing. It's about reproducing, making Jesus famous. Amen. Number four is real easy. It's move. Just do it. Just do something. It's so easy. I mean, I'm at a, God will open up the doors for you. Do you know how I know that? Because the word in, I think, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, I believe, says God will open up doors that no man could close. He'll do it. So in other words, I'm at a carpet place the other day. My wife's in there paying. We had a flood in a bedroom, and we're having to have the carpet replaced. So she's picking out the carpet, and I'm talking to the guy that measured it, college-age guy. And, and we, you know, something brings up, oh, oh, he mentions, I said, do you ever lay carpet? 
And he goes, nah, because I had back surgery. I have a football injury. Well, I had back surgery back in November. So, boom, the door just went wide, wide open for us. God just created through a back surgery. I've, I'm now in this guy's life. Really, tell me about your back surgery. How are you recovering? What are you doing about it? Do you pray about it? The door, man, yeah, as a matter of fact, I just gave my life to Jesus a year ago, and I go to such and such Baptist church down the road. I said, man, that's awesome. You've been baptized? Yeah, I just got baptized. Was he excited? This guy's like, man, I just got baptized. I was out going to clubs, and now God's in. This dude's like, big guy Blake. And I said, let me ask you. I said, do you have anybody discipling you or just meeting with you? A big brother, somebody you could call in the middle of the night. He goes, no, I need that. I said, that's why I'm here today. That's why my house flooded. Thank you, Lord. Please send the money to fix all of it. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I mean? You can Everything can flip around for the kingdom. Doors can open. Man, I'll see somebody wearing a Star Wars shirt, and I'm like, hey, man, I like a Star Wars shirt. Next thing you know, I'm talking to them, and, I, and God opens up a door to make another disciple. It just happens. Got one kid I meet with every time we get together. He's a, he's a woodworks worksman. He's like 20-year-old. He makes canes down in Jacksonville. So we talk about wood and making canes. Hey, I can talk about wood. I'm from the woods. You know what I mean? But this has turned into discipleship. And when he shows me a cane he makes and all the time he spent with it, I talk to him about all the time God's spending on him, molding him and making him into something. You see? All right, now I'm going to give you a couple things here. I'm going to give you a couple things that uh, some discipleship tools because there are some good tools out there. And, and, and I promise you we're about to, y'all know, you ever heard of Francis Chan? Francis Chan wrote the book Crazy Love, then he wrote the book Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. Um, Francis, Chan, Francis Chan says this, he says, look, Jesus says go and make disciples. Here's our response as the church. It's like a dad telling his children, go and make your bed. And the children return and go, okay. I'm going to pray and seek your face about making my bed. Or, second response is, hey, I've gathered my brothers and sisters, and we're discussing different strategies for making beds. And all I want them to do, just go make your bed. I'm not going to come in there and go, oh, the corners, I'm not a Marine drill sergeant. Nope, well, I'm just happy they made the bed. And the cat's not up under there, you know what I mean? So I'm just going to give you a couple couple tools. One, if you could write this down, there's a great book by Leroy Ames, Ames? E-I-M-S. It's called The Lost Art of Disciple Making. I mean, who doesn't want to read a book by a guy named Leroy? Come on. It's either about catching crawfish or discipling somebody. Next is by Derek Prince, one of my favorites. It's called Foundational Truths for Christian Living. It used to be called Spirit-Filled Believer's Handbook, but when he died, they said, hey, we need to get this out to more people and the people that don't believe in the Spirit-Filled life. So they renamed it Foundational Truths. Same exact book, nothing's changed. Uh, Jerry Morris, one of our, one of our uh, missionaries that's part of CAM, you know, we're CAM, Christian Alliance of Ministry, that's our network, I don't know if you know that. Jerry Morris is one of the missionaries through that, and he, he spent years and years in Venezuela. He's got one of the... It's like a, a first base, second base, third base, home base to disciple somebody. It's a one-year discipleship thing where you give them something, you meet once a week, and you go, th- you go through great things. I've got one that we did down in Miami that's a little 12-week deal called the Spiritual Workout Manual. Uh, Pastor Franco down there put that together. You can email me 
and I'll send you that one for free if you want to use something like that. If you want to use tools, use them. Uh, but my email is golifemissions at gmail.com. And uh, if you didn't get that, once again, out at our table, I've got some little cards. Um, but I'm going to give you the best idea for making a disciple. All right, you ready? Is to make it personal. Make it personal. In a couple weeks, me and a few friends are going to go up on the Appalachian Trail for three days. We go once a year. Two of them have never been. So I am helping them know how to pack, how to prepare, how to have their legs ready, how much things they need to bring, what not to bring because it's heavy and you're up mountains, right? That's a little picture of discipleship. Discipleship is just helping somebody come down a trail you've already been down. It's that simple. So, for instance, number one, we talk, talk to them about being separated from God, being chosen by God, being adopted. These are my favorite things to talk about, being adopted. So, so I would ask you, name five of your favorite things about the Lord. Think of five of your personal things that you always end up talking about. It really sparks you. Is it the authority? Is it the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Get those things, write them down, and start investing those into somebody that doesn't quite have it where you are. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. Let me make sure I haven't forgotten anything. I do, before I completely close here, I do want to, I do want to kind of, I want to give a little kick to y'all's next series. Pastor Lawrence told me about your, your next series that you're going to do. And the, the, First week is, or the first part of the series is, who are we? Pastor Lawrence will be doing that. And then, who is God? Who are you? And looking ahead, where do you fit in? I want to encourage you to grab as many people. How many of you can say, once upon a time, somebody invited you to a church? It might have been your, your family. It might have been, you might, you, might, you might have been, some people call it a druggie. You know, my parents were dragging me to church every week. You, you might have got, been like me, 24 years old. Somebody invited you. You went, and you, now you have a relationship with God. I just want to encourage you. There are people out there that are waiting to go to church. Nine out of ten people who were polled and asked, these are non-church members, what would it take to get you to go to church? Nine out of ten said if somebody would ask me. That's a big deal that there's people out there just waiting on someone to go, hey, I'll go. Guys, our job before Jesus comes back is to make disciples. Let's help get people in here and let's be part of this series he's going to do next. Get involved in it. Amen. All right, before I pray, just remind you, please visit our table. See us. Shake our hand. Pray for us. You know, we're, we're, we're down there. We're planting a, planting a church in Jacksonville from scratch. We don't have 30 people down there that said, hey, come, you know. Um, we're, it's called parachuting in. We're meeting people as we go. We're networking. We're praying for people. We're doing hospital visits. I had a hospital visit just the other day. I mean, just some amazing, miraculous things are happening, and we really, really need your prayers. We need your prayers. So pick up our material, pick up our how-to, and I bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me this morning. So, Lord, we love you. Lord, we pray that this morning as we go, that we would be great commission people, that we would leave here realizing that if we have a pulse and we're a child of God, that our title is missionary. 
and that you've given us our passport already. It's in Matthew 28, 19 that says go. We've got the authority because you say you go with us. Lord, help us to go. Help us to look at life. Help us to wake up tomorrow with a missional heart, reaching people for your kingdom, God. Lord, I pray that this church would would double in the next three weeks, that it would double. Lord, that the seats would start to get filled with people who are coming out of things and going into things, God. Lord, I pray that you would start to raise up the gifts of the Spirit in here like never before, God. The gifts of prophecy, Lord, the gifts of tongues. And Lord, that people would just begin to start to do the work of the evangelist. People would start to disciple somebody. The person that works beside them at work, that they laugh as they talk about fishing and stuff. That they would have a boldness to start saying to that person, Hey man, let's meet once a week and have a little Bible study. Or hey, let's meet once a week and talk about God. Or, and that turns into discipleship, God. Lord, I pray that it would be that it would happen, God, that the seed planted today would be watered and would go forth. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless New Covenant Church Tifton, all the people here today, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.